It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Clear Out Podcast presented by Blue Wire Podcast, hosted by Matt Brooks. That's me, and it's just me today. Um, I did just redo the entire intro because I'm so out of practice, which uh, tells you, yeah, it's been a little bit since I've done one of these. Um, so yeah, I uh, wanted to sit down today. We're like a fourth of the way through the season. Kind Oh, no, yeah, a little more than a fourth of the way through the season. Um and just kind of talk about the team. It's I, I've written about them a lot. If you can't tell, well, if you don't, if you don't follow me outside of this podcast, uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Matt Brooks NBA. I'm assuming that's where most people are coming in from. But if you don't, that's where you can find most of my work. Uh, point being, my writing has been a big focus this year, very big, um, which is just the smartest thing for me to do right now at this juncture in my career. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Um, So, you know, I've been writing a lot about them, but I haven't really just talked about them loosely off the cuff. Um, That's obviously what a podcast is for. Um, And and this show in general, I I like it. I've been kind of toying what I want to do with it, to be honest with you, like to take you behind the curtain a little bit. Um, you know, I came into this year, I actually wasn't even sure if I wanted to do the clear out, but I said, nah, I'm just going to run with it, um, you know, because I knew I wanted to do a lot of writing, I wanted to do video stuff, which I plan to do after the Celtics game, if it isn't, you know, a horrible game. Um, but yeah, this show, I was kind of like, I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I like it for days like this. So we're coming off this Wizards game. Um, you know, I, I watched the game again, even though it was not a good game the first time, and it wasn't a good game the second time. I try to watch every single Nets game that I can because I love the Nets, man. I love the Nets. I love watching them, even though they're a miserable basketball team. Um, they've given me, I, I wrote a big, long piece about it, but they've given me the opportunity to do what I love. So I just love watching basketball, again, even if it's a bad game. And, um, you know, I, I think it kind of, this, this game against the Wizards succinctly summarized a lot of the things that I'm feeling about the team right now. I thought it was very emblematic of who they are, um, which to be honest with you is like not that interesting of a basketball team, which, and I know that sounds like, hey, oh, that is hating. I'm hating pretty hard, honestly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I just think it was a good example of like what this team is, how they're playing, and and what like I guess I see the trajectory for them. So I'll, I'll put it like this: like they they took on a Wizards team that's like kind of mid tier. Um, it was close in a lot of different spots. Nets pulled away at the end. It wasn't like this huge blowout victory or anything like that. Um, you know there were things I liked on both sides of the ball. There were things I really didn't like on both sides of the ball. And I just kind of came away being like, all right, that was a good win. Like they're moving up the standings, but. You know, I don't really see the top end ceiling of this team right now for as well as Duran is playing. Um, and I think that's kind of where I'm at with the Nets. 
You know, they're 10-6 and six since Jacques Vaughn took over. Defense has been really good. Um, and and I'm still just not, like, super moved by the team just yet. And I, I don't know what really needs to change, but, like, every time I watch them, they just don't feel like a dominant title contender. And it sounds like just talking with people in the community, um, fans of the team, friends of mine that I've gotten to know through watching this team, uh, whether it's media or, or fans, I'm, I'm pretty close with a lot of people in this fan base now, which is amazing. Like this whole, this randomly moving out here from California and, um, you know, covering this basketball team is like introduced me to so many different people. I think the common consensus is that this team is good. They're going to win games, but I don't know if people see them as like this, like who rah, rah, there's going to be a, 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 you know, whatever, a parade down, Flatbush and Atlantic like I don't know if that is out there just yet and um, I don't know what would change that so look we'll start with Vaughn um, I think Vaughn's done a good job I mean first off to kind of discuss just him in general as a coach I he is so fun to listen to and this like I mean this is just from like the media perspective of like sitting there and asking him questions and hearing his answers, but he's so fun to listen to um, talk hoops. Like if you have not listened to one of his pressers, I'd recommend it. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, He had a really good quote the other night about rebounding and it wasn't just like, and look, I'm not like, I don't want to sit here and just like bash Steve Nash the whole time. But you know, like if you ask Steve Nash about rebounding, it's like, well, our team is kind of small and you know, we need to gang rebound and it, and it wouldn't, that would be kind of it. Right. And Vaughn gave this really succinct answer about like, we need to be better at recognizing when we should be boxing out and, you know, letting another teammate go for it versus, you know, hey, we're all going to jump for it or we're all going to box out. Like it was very interesting how he kind of talked about it. He just described, I guess, the gang rebounding aspect more, but more from the sense of like, we need to be a more cohesive unit rather than just like, we all need to try really hard. Um and I thought that was like a really good example of why Vaughn's done a good job for the most part. Um, and I just think he's made like the right decisions, like rotations. I think he's done the right things. Taking Patty Mills out was smart. Uh, Patty Mills looks pretty close to done. Um, you know, he can't stay in front of anybody anymore. And at this point, he's a catch and shoot guy. So that was a smart move. Um, he's toyed with other guys. Not taking Joe Harris out of the rotation, I think, is something that a lot of people would have done on Twitter. I certainly thought it was worth considering, and he stuck with him for the most part, and it paid off. And now Joe's starting to play a little better. We'll see what happens with Joe. I think the biggest thing with Joe is just the injury maintenance, because we've seen this from him earlier in the year, where he looks good for a couple games. And then he tails off. And I, we just need to see if that's how it's going to be with Joe this year because of the ankle surgery. Um, or or is this who he is now? So I just think Vaughn's done a nice job overall. Um, are there things I wish they would do better? Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to get into those things on both sides of the ball. Um, and and I, But I, I think overall from the perspective of leadership and having the team respond well, I really do think he's done an excellent job there. It seems like this group really likes playing under him. And from the perspective of, you know, constructing rotations that make sense, does he have three guard lineups here and there? Yeah, but like, what can he do when like, you know, all of his wings are out? 
TJ Warren's out, Yuta Watanabe's out, Ben Simmons is out. It's just kind of like, some of that stuff I understand that it's frustrating when you have like, whatever, Seth Curry and Kyrie sharing a backcourt together, but it's like, I don't really know what he's supposed to do at certain points, just because A, like, you know, the 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 team is hurt, and B, I don't know if I fully agree with how Sean constructs teams sometimes. Um, you know, I like that they went out and got all this shooting, but from the perspective of learning from their, I guess, weaknesses and mistakes last year, I do think they're still kind of like a smaller team um, in that they're going to have minutes where Seth Curry and Kyrie share the floor together, and you just hope to survive those minutes. Um, And who knows, if there's another injury, maybe that necessitates, uh, you know, Patty Mills or Cam Thomas, who uh, has okay flashes defensively, but is still, like, not a huge plus on that end. So, you know, I, I all in all, like, I think he's doing pretty well with what he's given. And at the end of the day, this team is a little incomplete roster construction-wise. They need another big man. Um, the point of attack defense, which I'm going to get into in just a second, is not great. So I don't know what he's supposed to do about those things. But overall, I do like I do like the job that Vaughn has done. And again, if you haven't listened to him talk basketball, I'd recommend it. All right, we're going to take a quick cut here because I didn't like how I did this segment. Again, we are getting back into the swing of podcasting. Um, So let's talk about the defense. Um, Alec Sturm put up a a stat that was talking about the Nets defense. Um, I I don't remember what the context was, but I know I looked it up. They're fourth in defense since Vaughn took over. And again, I love stats. I think they're very helpful. They illustrate you know, a lot of important things. There's a lot of great KD stats out there that are illustrating how unbelievable he is this year. But my thing with the Nets right now is I watch them and they don't strike me as a top five defense. Um, And I'll, I'll put it like this. I'm sure many of you remember that first week where the Nets, you know, beat the Knicks by 30 and, and beat the Wizards by 40. Um, First week playing under Vaughn, I wrote about it. I said, look, this kind of feels like new coach juice where, and this happens a lot where a team gets a new coach and they're, you know, playing above and beyond what's expected. Everybody's trying that much harder because it's just a new voice, a new guy in the locker room leading things. That's what I wrote about when it happened. I said, I don't know how long that's going to last. They've been to, to their credit. They've been good since then. They've taken care of teams that they need to. Um, But if you remove that first week, and I, I again, I understand that statistically it's not, like I, you can't just remove a sample because you don't like it, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, <laughs> if you remove that first week of games um, and you go since November 12th, they're the 17th defense. Now, I don't think they're the 17th defense. I don't think they're the fourth defense. I think they're probably somewhere in the middle. 10th, 11th, I think that's probably where they settle out. Um, and I, and I, I'll, I'll say this too. I, I don't think their schedule has been especially hard. Um, you know, I know thus far they've been like middle of the pack in terms of strength of schedule. At least that's what it looks like. I don't think those metrics take into account the number of injuries and shorthanded teams that they've played, you know, Philly, which they lost that game, Memphis being down their three guys, uh, Portland being, you know, missing Dame, um, Toronto being missing guys. You know, all these all these teams that they've played in sort of shorthanded settings, they've taken care of business of, and, and to their credit. 
Um, I also think it's definitely helped their defensive rating overall. You're just playing teams missing their top options. So point being is I, I think the defense is good. Don't think it's great. I think the numbers are probably a little inflated if if people are sitting down saying, man, like, yeah, like it. Uh, there are certain things I don't like about this team, but Durant's playing well and our defense is one of the best in the league. I just would caution against that a little bit because I just don't know if it's all the way representative of what this team actually is defensively. So we'll talk about the good things. Um, Nick Claxton having a great year. Great year. Um, you know, his individual, like A, he's bulked up, which is great, but he hasn't lost his ability to switch. I tweeted about it the other night. He's still one of the best guys in the league at containing step backs. He's just a great guy to have if you're running a switching defense. You know, a lead creator has their center set a screen. Well, guess what? You got one of the best switch bigs in the league guarding you now. And quite frankly, the Nets best perimeter defender guarding you. And it's a huge advantage for the Nets. Um, Does it hurt them on defense in terms of their rebounding? Yes. But having Nick Claxton out there has been huge for them. He's been great this year. Um, he's had a lot of nice recovery blocks. So when he's in drop coverage or or maybe he's playing at the level of screens, if the ball handler gets by his man, which happens quite a bit, and we'll get into that, he's been really good at recovering and helping that defender with you know a nice block or, or a block from behind. He had a, one or two of those, I think, against Washington the other night. That, that He's just been really, really good at helping in that way. As a weak side defender you know, as a secondary defender in the way that Durant does, um, or Durant has been pretty good at this year. Uh, I think Clax is a little inconsistent still. Um, sometimes he'll chase blocks that he has no chance of getting. And I actually think his his tendency to chase blocks has been a little bit worse this year. And that's probably the thing for me that keeps him out of being like an all-NBA level, or sorry, all-defensive level center, is just that tendency to bite on pump fix but more importantly, that tendency to chase blocks. I think, you know, and this is just me speculating. I have no idea if this is true. Um, it does kind of feel like he's hunting them a little bit more. And I don't know if that's because he's, you know, at the top of the leaderboard of, of blocks. I have no idea. But it, it feels like he's chasing them a little bit more this year. And that's the only thing I can say for him that keeps him maybe out of that top, 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 top tier uh, defensive centers right now. But he's been really good. Durant's been great, too. I think Durant's isolation defense has been really, really good. Um, Wrote about him a lot last week. You know, he's been one of the best defenders in terms of limiting opposing players. Field goal percentage right up there with, um, you know, Claxton. I think Jared Allen was on that list. Draymond was on that list. So he's been, like, by certain statistics, one of the best defenders in the league this year. It's just really hard to get a shot up against him. He's been very locked in in terms of defending isolations. He takes matchups really personally this year defensively, which I love. I mean, he's done that pretty much since he landed in Brooklyn. But this year especially, um, you know, his weak side defense is good for the most part. It'll come and go here and there. But I I think he's been pretty engaged. And especially since Vaughn has taken over, he's been really pretty good. There's been games where he hasn't been good, and I've chronicled those. And... um, Seems like he's seen that. <laughs> Seems like he's 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 come across that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know, for the most part, <laughs> he's been pretty good. It, it's it's holistically speaking, the larger sample 
is that Durant's been very good defensively. Ben Simmons has also been pretty good for the most part defensively, especially towards the end before he went down this recent knee injury. Um, you know, showing some good things. Staying in front of and, and gluing himself to ball handlers. I like how he presses guys near, you know, he like way above the three-point line um, and just like doesn't let them get any sort of first step. He did that a lot in Philly also because he knows he can recover if guys get by him. Um, he just presses you from midcourt and makes you uncomfortable. And there's just haven't been a ton of guys that have done that in Brooklyn Nets jerseys over the last four years. It's been really fun to watch. Um, you know, I think he's still getting his lateral quickness back. But, you know, when that comes, I do think there's going to be that extra level for him. Um, he's done other things really well, too. I've, I thought he's been pretty good as like a weak side defender. He doesn't have a huge wingspan. I think he's a seven foot wingspan as like a 6'11 guy. So short arms, relatively speaking. But, you know, he, he's really good about his positioning, about rotating over. He's a big body. So if you get by the, if you're running pick and roll as an offensive player and you get by the Nets point of attack defender and their big man, whoever that may be, Ben is, you know, if he's standing in the way is a real roadblock uh, and and tough thing to get around as um, as an offensive player. So he's been really good in that way. He's done other things well, um, like little details. Uh, I don't know. What's a good example? Uh, he's good at like blowing up handoffs. So if a opposing team's lead creator wants to come off a handoff for either a three or a driving lane, uh, Ben just will throw his body in between that creator and the big man trying to set up the handoff, and he just completely blows it up. So he's been really good at those types of things. And really holistically, the the Nets themselves are really good in terms of their front court defense. Um, and that's why they're a league leader in blocks. They have seven footers out there that are just making your life tough. Um, and, and the other thing is they're getting a lot of opportunities to sky for blocks. And I'll get into that in just a moment. Um, only thing I really can say about the front court, I wish the rebounding was better. Uh, I've, I've been kind of picking on it all year. I'm going to say it again. I, the box outs have been pretty underwhelming. Nick Claxton is good. He, he, has moments where he doesn't get quite into the play, but he fights for rebounds at the very least. He's just smaller. Um, and then his his tendency to sky for blocks, whether it's a good idea or not, typically takes him out of the play as as a rebounder. So, Or if he's switched out on the perimeter because the Nets like to switch so much. So those things, I think, hurt him as a rebounder um, and the Nets overall as a unit. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> like KD is... Not a great box-out guy. I think that's probably the most polite way to put it. Simmons, his rebounding has been good. Hasn't always been great. So that's that's the big thing for the front court is just boxing out. Um, but, you know, I mean, overall, I, I think you have to be pretty happy with that. Now, let's talk about the stuff I don't like. Um, there's two things. Three things. Um, two, two, but three. Um, so we'll, we'll start with the first one. Um point of attack defense. I just don't like it from this team. And I don't see how it gets better. Right now, the common solution is Edmund Sumner. And like, look, man, I like Sumner. He's fun to watch. If Edmund Sumner is in your playoff rotation, I don't feel great about that. I'm going to be real with you. Um, I don't trust the three. 
some of the offensive decision making is iffy, right? He's definitely been predominantly a shoot first guy. Um, and I, you know, I just I don't know how much you can survive if that you know if he's getting a lot of you know even if it's like 10, 12 minutes in the playoffs. I don't know. I'm just ha- I'm not quite sold on him. Um, and if that's like your point of attack defense guy, I don't love that. I'll be honest with you. I just don't. Um, you know, they miss Bruce Brown. I'm going to, I'm sorry. They do. I, I will never understand that decision to let him walk because he was so clearly just a guy that fit in with no matter what group the Nets had out there. You know, they bring in Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. He's able to play. Uh, they have no centers. He's able to play center. He's just fit into every iteration of the Nets, so it's weird that they let him walk. But, you know, they, they didn't really replace him with anyone. The idea is that they're going to put Royce O'Neal out there, you know, I think at least in theory. And they're like, all right, Royce is our new Bruce Brown, but he can shoot threes. And if you've watched Royce O'Neal's point of attack defense this year, I really honestly think he is maybe one of i mean he he's in the mix with like patty and and maybe seth in terms of like guys that just can't stay in front of anyone um patty because he's small and slower this year uh seth because he's small and not a huge athlete and and royce is just like it's it's weird watching him um he'll get burned from a standstill uh he'll bite on pump fakes uh, he'll be leaning the wrong way on closeouts and a guy will get by him. It's like every single possible thing that can happen. I feel like Royce gets lost. I mean, really watching that Wizards game, I thought Royce did some good things. The rebounding at the end was huge. He had some nice assists. I mean, the point of attack defense in that game was bad. Beal was getting by him repeatedly. Um, and and it just it's kind of an issue for me that, that I don't know who... I'm supposed to trust on this team as a point of attack defender. Kyrie has been not great defensively since returning from suspension. Um, Seth is small and has games where he looks like a total turnstile. And your best point of attack defenders right now might be your front court, <laughs> which is, it's not a problem. I also don't think it's good. And I, you know, you look at how many blocks this team is recording I mean, I think a lot of that is because there are so many leaks. There are so many instances where teams are able to get all the way to the rim against this Nets team. You know, Washington had, I think, 54 points in the paint to the Nets, 32. Yeah, no, some of that is coming off rebounds and stuff like that. But there were a lot of pretty easy drives. And that stuff, I don't know what the solution is. Yuta's pretty good at point of attack, so he'll help. But they feel like they're a guy short at the point of attack. And it feels even bigger than the need for a center, to be honest with you. Because I think you can survive by splitting up Ben and, and Clax and making that your center rotation. Um, the need for a point of attack guy just feels really pronounced right now. Ben is probably the guy that you hope to get there. But even he, you know... He's good against smaller players for sure. He's you know he's made his money that way, um, at least as a defender. But there are guys that can get by him because they're so quick. Um, so you know I I just don't know what you do about that all the way, and that feels like a big institutional problem. It feels like a roster problem, 
And until that's solved, I worry about this team just being a little bit of a layup line. Um, and, and that just puts your front court at risk. That puts your front court at risk of, you know, having to sky for blocks all the time. Well, what happens if Nick Claxton gets in foul trouble? Then what? What does this turn into? Because if you can't guard guys up top, and now your best interior defender is, you know, is in foul trouble, what is what what are you doing there as a team? So I I, I don't love that. I, the point of attack defense thing is going to be something I'll be touching on all year. Um, another component of that is the switching. Um, and again, this the switching when I watch it. I don't say, ah, yeah, this is a top five defense. I look at this and I say, this reminds me a lot of the Nets the last couple of years. Up top, you know, and there are certain guys, and I hate to keep piling on him, but like Royce is involved in this still a lot. Simple pick and roll or pick and pop. And there's either a lack of communication or just general confusion. And it's only fourth of the way through the season. So it's not the end of the world just yet. But a simple pick and roll, And it's not like at the beginning of possessions, it's more like an offense runs something. If it doesn't go anywhere, they reset for a pick and roll and there's only a couple of seconds on the shot clock. And this seems to be where the problems happen for the Nets, these secondary pick and rolls. Um, You know, the opponent runs pick and roll. Let's say it's like O'Neal and I don't know. I I don't want to like pick on anybody. I I saved a clip the other day. uh, You know, O'Neal and Durant. Durant switches correctly. O'Neal stays on his man, even with Durant switching, and all of a sudden, it's like a wide-open driving lane for the opponent. This happened against Washington. And the Nets have a lot of these things where it's like, this should be a basic switch. Like, you guys should know your coverages. You guys should know, hey, like, all right, I'm involved with KD. We like this matchup. This is a like-size matchup in terms of switching. We're just going to switch this really quick, because that's what we do. And they have not been able to do that consistently yet. Um, there are other things that kill the Nets all year long. Back screens are another one. Every time a team runs a back screen on the weak side with, um, you know, kind of an open floor, I guess, it's a bucket. It's a bucket because it's either the guy gets comes off the screen or um, the screener slips the screen and the Nets are just behind on these actions. Um and, you know, and, and slipping screens, that's another thing. So there's all these things that I think the Nets, in terms of their switching defense, are just not super crisp on. They have time to figure that stuff up, uh, stuff out, obviously. And actually, I mean, I think you could, I guess you could look at that and say, well, if they improve these things, maybe that's how they become a top five defense. Maybe. Um, but they need to consistently do it. And that's the issue. And, you know, for as much as this team is winning games lately, a lot of it's based on what the production that they're getting offensively from Durant um, and just having a couple good defenders out there. But as a team defense, I don't think they're all the way there yet, personally. And that stuff, I think, needs to improve. So, yeah, and I, I would say, like, next time you're watching a Nets game, watch how many times they switch on pick and rolls correctly. It's It's not as many as you'd think for a, a team that is, you know, ranking that high defensively. That's just me. Um, and again, I, I let me reiterate. The good part about this is that there's room for improvement. So if you're already a top defense statistically, and you're making all these mistakes, that's a good thing. That means you can get there. There's a world where they get there. Um, we just need to see it. And they just haven't done that 
historically, aside from, you know, the Milwaukee series, I guess. Um, that was probably the point where they've looked the best defensively um, was against a team that was actively shooting itself in the foot offensively. So we just need to see it from the Nets. Um, but good part is there's potential there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Talk about the offense. Uh, really, it all comes down to Kevin Durant playing absolutely out of his mind. Career high in field goal percentage. Um, you know, putting 30, 40 a night. Just been in a total rhythm. You know, I remember last year at this time thinking, man, this feels like this is the best Durant has been. This year, it's very similar. He's been finishing everything inside the paint. I remember I, I wrote a couple days ago, he's shooting 80% at the rim, which is absurd. Fourth in the league in and ones. Might be even higher now. I'd need to check that. Um, just been doing everything. Scoring the ball. Mid-range game looks as crisp as ever. And, uh, you know, the three hasn't even been falling like it, it has in the past. I bet you that starts coming along. He's been really good. Um, you know, are there certain things that I worry about a little bit? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, some of the decision-making out of double teams... It comes and goes. Um, a lot of that is just, and I think Vaughn said this, the positioning that the Nets need to, to build around that. They need to make themselves available a little bit better when Durant gets blitzed or double teamed in the post. Um, so overall, he's been sensational. Really, just truly sensational. MVP caliber. And um, it's tough to really find any room for criticism um, with what he's done offensively and defensively, other than the box sets. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just, just really impressive so far. I will say this though. We go through last year, right? <laughs> go through how things went in the playoffs. You know, everything's running through Durant. Come up against Boston. Boston throws a kitchen, the uh, kitchen sink at Durant. You know, and and basically ignore some of Brooklyn's other players. Don't really see how the Nets are playing that much different than last year. And and look, structurally they are different. They've added more shooting around him. That does matter. Let's not let's not underscore that. That does matter. But based on what we saw in preseason, in terms of the offensive changes that I talked a lot about. And I said, hey, we should be really high on this Nets team because of what they're doing offensively. I'm going to say that 90% of the stuff that I liked in preseason is gone. And we're going back to, hey, we're going to run everything through Durant. And by the way, it's tough to find fault in that because he's playing so damn well that the smartest thing you can do is put the ball in his hands. But the problem is... You don't have any structure or identity outside of just being like, hey, we're going to have Durant do everything. And if that doesn't work against the wrong opponent, 
I don't know what they turn to. That was the beauty of running all that stuff in preseason. It was like, all right, we have a whole, you know, movement heavy offense that is going to look great. And if we play the wrong team in the, you know, in the playoffs, um, that can contain our movement. Well, we can just go say, hey, Durant, you know, we need you to, we need you to put everything on your back. Instead, they've just decided to do the, hey, we're, we're going to have Durant do everything from like the 15th game in. Um, so I don't, I'll be honest, I actually don't really like the offense that much right now. Not really. Um, and again, that's not to say I'm not impressed by what Durant is doing. I absolutely am. Let me just keep making that point. But it's tough for me to look at what they did last year and how it flamed out and say, oh, this team's really realized what went wrong other than adding shooting, which matters. It does matter. They're still predominantly the same team, and it's all about can Durant make decisions out of double teams, and there's a lot of pressure on him to do so with how they're playing. Can the Nets surrounding him make opponents pay when he does that? Um, Are they going to be getting enough touches to stay in rhythm and it's just, it's a lot on him. I mean, really, honestly, it is. He's he's a great top 10 player of all time. I, I would not be shocked if he's able to sit there and divvy up his touches and also make sure he's, you know, keeping his teammates involved. But it's, it's a lot on his shoulders. It really is. It really is. So to be playing like this 20 games in, tough to blame him. Again, Durant's been that good this year. But I am a little disappointed that some of the stuff that we saw in preseason is not being implemented nor used nor we're really seeing any of it anymore. It just felt like there was a little more diversity to the offense. As we all know, diversity is very important in the postseason. Um, being able to run different schemes is vastly important. We've seen, t- and on both sides of the ball, but defensively, we've seen teams lose you know, Denver's come to mind, uh, for example, you know, lose against the wrong opponents because they can't, you know, carry out different schemes. Uh, the Celtics were able to get to the finals as a relatively young team because they could execute so many different schemes. You know, they were blitzing and double teaming Durant in one series, and then they were playing pretty much one-on-one man defense against the Bucks. Against the, the you know, Golden State, they were playing drop coverage because they didn't want to switch. So they wouldn't get killed by, you know, the the Warriors and Draymond Green short rolling and cutting. Um, so, you know, we that stuff is important. You want to be able to do different things. For the Nets, who are predominantly historically an offensive team, you would hope they would do that. They would diversify things. And that just hasn't been there. Um, it's been a lot of, hey, we're going to have good spacing. Um, and we're going to just sort of let Durant cook. And if a defender helps off of one of our players, we're going to hope that he's able to kick it to that guy and that guy is going to remain open. The movement on the weak side, I think, is slowed down a little bit. They were running a lot of different things on the weak side, back screens, pin downs, exit screens. And that stuff is just sort of faded as the season has gone on. And now it is a pretty stagnant offense of let's watch Durant be great and he's great. Um, And we're going to kind of just hold our position and and space the floor as stationary shooters. I just, I don't know. I, I'm just not moved by it, to be honest with you. And again, it's not, a, that's not me hating on like Durant's greatness or anything like that or how, you know, impressive this team is 
in terms of their collective three-point shooting. It, it just it feels like the most simplified version of what we could be getting. I and I, I really I was so curious to see what a somewhat conceptual offense would look like with all of this shooting talent. You know what it would look like if we got this Igor Kokoskarov uh, masterpiece out there with all these different guy coming guys coming off screens and Spain pick and roll and veer screens and all these things I wrote about in preseason. And we just haven't really seen that. And, um, you know, I know, I know Vaughn has mentioned in pressers, he's somebody that likes to keep things simple, which is cool. I, I can't fault that. I, I think that's smart. Sometimes you can try to implement too much and that will bother players or that will just overcomplicate things. But this is a team of vets um, that I felt like had a decent grip on a lot of the things they were trying to implement really early in the year, and it's just been strange to watch them go away from it. So overall, offensively, I like what they're doing um, in terms of how Durant's playing, but um, but I don't know. I just I wish there was a little more to it, and I actually think if there's one thing that dooms this team long term, it's not their defense, not their defense. I think it's their offense. I think they're going to play the wrong opponent that's going to throw the kitchen sink at Durant again. And I just now have questions about, hey, what does the secondary offense look like from there? Because if you're not doing a ton with the movement of your shooters or um, you know, even how you're setting up plays, how you're getting Durant his touches, if you're just letting him dribble the ball up or you know, run like a simple pick and roll and have him in the post against maybe a mismatch, maybe not. Um, I don't know. It just it feels like the lowest common denominator offense. And I don't know. I'm just keeping an eye on it. Could be. I could be very wrong about this. Maybe this is the smartest way to play when you have somebody as Durant, as good as Durant. I don't know. But they're not. You know what the Nets are, and you know what they're bringing to the table night tonight. And I'm sure opponents do too. And I'm gonna tell you right now. There's a lot of film now because of that Celtics series on how to contain this style of play. So. Um, let's, let's talk about, I'll end here. We're going to go through individual players, I guess. I don't know. I, I kind of just want to go up and down the roster and, uh, just sort of talk about how everybody's playing. Um, we'll start with Durant. I've already talked a lot about him. Um, how great he's been is just a, <laughs> just how good he's been offensively. The minutes thing I'm concerned about, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, to be leaning on him to this degree this early in the season, I know the Nets seem like they're monitoring it. Vaughn has mentioned that. A little bit of a replay of last year uh, where they're just sort of riding this KD thing out and saying, hey, we're, we're just going to, we're just going to thrive off this guy's greatness. And that's going to be what, what would, you know, what we do essentially. Um, and it's going to help us climb the standings. It, you know, it, that, I guess that's the pitfalls of having such a bad start to the year and having Kyrie out of the lineup. It, you know, that, that is what it is, but that's, I guess, the last thing I have on Durant. Otherwise, been great. Um, I have not even mentioned Kyrie in this podcast, other than saying he's been a little bit of a turnstile, which he has been. I don't think the defense has been as good this year. A lot of the bad habits in terms of gambling or, you know, helping on the strong side, losing his guys on the weak side, those have been a little bit more prevalent since he returned from suspension. His engagement has just been really weird for me since he returned from suspension. And I don't know if it's just because he hasn't quite 
found his rhythm since, you know, returning. That's something he talked about the other night. But it's just, it's been weird. He's been a little complacent in certain spots. Um, and and it, in general, it just sort of feels like the only time he really gets going is when Durant is off the floor. Um, when Durant's on the floor, he's kind of to the side, which goes back to the issues I have with this team's offense, where it's a lot of watching Durant be great. Kyrie is the one that maybe gets hurt the most out of anyone. I just don't feel like he's getting the touches um, all the time that you'd want from him. He's taking 8.4 threes per game, um, which is good. It's also it's a lot of threes. He's not shooting the three ball very well at 32%. Um, that'll eventually come up. Overall, when he gets the ball, I feel like because he's not maybe getting... I mean, I, I actually saw this. Uh, I think my guy Mark put this up. Royce O'Neal is almost getting as many touches as him per game. And I feel like when Kyrie gets the ball, because he's not getting as many touches, you know a shot's going up. A shot's going to go up more often than not. He's uh, at 4.3 assists this year. That's way below where he was the last two years. I think he was at six assists the first year, 6.2 the next year, then 5.8 last year. I believe those are the numbers right now. I don't have them in front of me. Assists have been way down. I think a lot of that just comes down to he's not getting a ton of touches, um, and when he does get them, he wants to make something of it, <laughs> which usually means a shot. So overall, Kyrie, I've actually been pretty disappointed with. Um, just in terms of on court, he was exceptional to start the year since he's returned. Hasn't been great. Defense has been pretty iffy. Um, the intensity that we saw to start the year on defense from him has not been there since he's returned. Do I expect that to, you know... Um, increase as he starts playing a little better offensively. Absolutely. Um, But even the offense just feels weird because the touches I don't think are there for him all the way. So it's a weird kind of chain of events. And it's something Nets do need to figure out is a way to get Kyrie more involved. And I, you know, I mean, a nice structural offense would really help with that. I'm going to keep hitting on that because it bothers me. (laughs) Uh, Seth, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm literally just reading down the roster right now, and I'm giving my quick hits. I don't know if this is good podcast content, but uh, it's what I'm doing. Uh, Seth's been Seth's been good. Uh, Seth is very hot and cold. I think as people realize, which I don't remember being such a thing when he was in Philly, but this year it's like his good games are really really good. You know, he's dropping like 29 off the bench. Bad games, you know, a he's not making threes, but like the other things start to show up so much more. The fact that he can't stay in front of guys. Uh, He's a guy to me that I'm curious to see what it looks like in the playoffs. They're going to need him to shoot the ball really well because he's going to be a minus defensively. So if he has a bad shooting series, it gets pretty interesting for the Nets. It gets pretty interesting for Vaughn because then you have some tough decisions to make. I think you probably ride it out with him because he is such a great, great, great three-point shooter. But boy, uh, if the, the three is not going, you're not getting a tough a ton from him otherwise. Passing is what it is. He, had, he tried to do a lob the other night, and it just was like not on target at all. Uh, so, yeah, man, I mean, you know what you're getting from him, but uh, he's a smaller guard, and that does limit you, especially if, if you're playing him next to somebody like Kyrie or whoever. Um, so I, I, I think... It'll just be interesting to see. The shooting has to be there when it matters. Royce O'Neal. Interesting Royce here, right? Not at all what we expected from him. I mentioned the defense. I just don't think he's been good defensively this year. We'll start there. If if you couldn't tell from the beginning of this podcast, um, 
Yeah, he can't stay in front of anybody. Uh, he has not looked comfortable switching. Uh, you know, and I don't know if that's just from playing in a more drop centric scheme in Utah and this being a little bit of a newer thing, the degree, the amount that the Nets switch, but he just hasn't looked comfortable doing it. Um, a lot of times opponents will run, pick and roll and he'll just stick with his man regardless of what, of who's involved in the play. If it's him and Nick Claxton, like Nick Claxton wants to switch on opposing ball handlers at every opportunity, sometimes too much. And Royce O'Neal, you know, as more often than not, I don't think really showed a ton of recognition of that. And um, that's been, that's, I think, caused a lot of gashes in the Nets' defense. Post-defense has been pretty good. At the end of the day, he's still a 6'4", dude, trying to guard post-up threats. He's really, really strong, so that helps. Yeah, I, the Nets, frankly, don't have a ton of great post-up defenders outside of Simmons, I would say. But, yeah, I mean... You know, you traded a first-round pick for a guy, at least defensively, that's a 6'4 post-up defender. Wouldn't say that's what she expected, but the offense has been great, and the shooting's been there. Um, You know, not a great movement shooter. He has the ability to make the pick and pop, you know, occasionally. I wouldn't say it's something you're getting a lot from him, but he's been able to do it. Um, The creativity with the ball in hands has been fun. Um, he's not a guy that should be running pick and rolls at the start of shot clock, maybe at the end, but you feel pretty good about it, right? You know, if KD is not able to create something and you have 10 seconds left and the ball ends up in Royce's hands, I feel okay about him running pick and roll with Nick Claxton, especially if it's a situation where he can make a lob to Nick or he can make a drop-off pass, um, or even try to put a shot at the rim. The two-point numbers aren't great for Royce. He's shooting 35%. I mean, they're really not good, actually. 35% from two, that's not good. It's one of the lowest figures on the Nets as a team. But the passing has been a nice boost. It's been fun to watch. There are certain passes he's not great at. Um, And you saw that against the Wizards, even though he had a nice game in terms of his assists. You know, passes where he's um, running pick and roll, and he sees a guy open in the corner. Those passes aren't always in target. I like that he has the vision to make them, but in terms of his accuracy as a passer, that comes and goes. Um, So that's something to watch. I thought it was very interesting. The Nets started using him as a short roll guy a little bit. That's something to watch. That was something that I noticed against Washington. I hadn't seen them do that a ton. Seems like a good way to use him. Again, that comes and goes. If... If the pass is there to Nick Claxton and he can make the lob, he's really good at those, you know, directly in front of him passes. It's those uh, perpendicular passes to the corners that I don't love. Um, I know he had a pass as the short roll guy to, I think it was Edmund Sumner. I think I'm right about that. And Sumner made the three, but the pass was like at his ankles. So something I've been watching. Again, this is the stuff I watch for, especially in really boring Nets games. Like that Wizards game was so boring that it gave me the ability to like track things that I don't usually watch. That's why I have so much on Royce's passing, which I'm sure nobody asked for. Uh, or keep going. Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wrote about him. Uh, talked a little bit about the defense. It's improved. Just want him to stay on the floor. I feel so bad, man. It's like whenever he gets going, it seems like there's an injury that crops up. Um, but the, he's made a huge impact in terms of transition def, uh, transition offense, excuse me, um, really helped this team push the pace, given them an element they just haven't had historically. Um, you know, and I, I know 
Jacques Vaughn has said he'd like other guys to push the pace of the intensity that Ben has. Kyrie being one of the guys he listed. I agree. I'd like to see that also. Ben's just great. I mean, he's a big guy. He can rip down boards, get into transition, set up your offense. Great passer. We're really starting to see those flashes recently before he got hurt. Vision is insane. Use him as a short roll threat. He's going to make pinpoint passes to the corners. No look passes. I mean, he's really got everything. He's He's been very fun to watch. The finishing inside the paint has been fun. Um, you know, he's making these hook shots, turning over his left shoulder, spinning hooks. Yeah, the floaters come out here and there. Watching the two-point finishing right now. He's shooting 62% from two. That's one of the best marks on the team. Um, so I don't know if that's going to stay consistent the whole year. Maybe, maybe not. Some of these hook shots, I don't know if I quite trust them yet. The floater, I don't know if I quite trust it yet. Felt like that was due for a little bit of a regression before he got hurt. But it's good to see him taking these shots. He's having fun. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm human. We're all human. It's fun to watch a guy like that who's been through so much prove stuff to the masses that, hey, I can still do this. I can still come out there and make an impact night after night. It's just been fun. Um, you know, and again, as from the perspective of having empathy for other people, it's really fun to watch a guy break expectations, show how good he can be and have fun. He's looking cocky out there. It's it's just been really fun to watch. Uh, it's hard not to root for him, to be completely honest with you. It is really hard not to root for him after everything he's been through. I, he's just a, I also just like a really nice guy, <laughs> really nice guy. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. Again, that's another guy. Watch his pressers. He's just, he's a very likable dude from my perspective, at least. Um, so Yuta, what can I say about Yuta? I mean, been everything you can hope for and more. Shooting the ball like hell. Finishing 66.7% from two. That's insane. Defense has been really good uh, for the most part. Just a total scrapper. Will give everything he's got for rebounding. You know, I, we'll see what happens with the shooting. He's taking three threes per game. But, you know, he's been a total knockdown guy from the corners. I know Toronto people said the big thing for him was actually staying on the floor. That was why Toronto moved on. So we'll see. Um, we'll see if the hamstring thing is going to be a long-term thing. We'll see if, if he's able to string together games. But when he's been on, he's been great. Uh, Joe Harris talked about him a little bit. Strange year for Joe. He's started to show some things. A big thing for me is just consistency um, and just what... You know, it, like how he's playing right now where he's making threes. He looked really good defensively against Brad Beal. Can we see that? Can we? Is this just going to stick or is it going to come and go? Is that related to the injuries that he's had? That'll be the big thing for me with Joe. But, you know, otherwise, I mean, he's, I think, better than ever as a team defender. Really, arguably his best defensive season. Uh, Three-point shooting, we know what it is. And then uh, outside of that, I mean, it's really just comes down to the sustainability of it. Uh, I'll probably finish with Sumner, uh, who I've talked about a little bit. I don't even know if I want to talk about Sumner. We'll we'll finish by saying we'll, we'll talk about the sophomores a little bit because um, I don't really have any Markeith Morris thoughts, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, the sophomores brutally, pretty brutally disappointing. Um, I mean, Kessler Edwards, David Duke can't get on the floor. When Dayron Sharp did get on the floor, it wasn't good. He has got such a long way to go defensively. 
which is a shame. But, um, you know, Cam is the guy that's probably played the most. Um, it's been another tough year, I think, for him. I'm not sure what his future looks like in Brooklyn, to be honest with you. This is not me, like, sourcing anything. This is just me looking at that he doesn't play a ton. And when he's out there, he really needs to impress in his limited minutes. And he just hasn't done that. Um, you know, the idea that he could be this, like, great second side guy, next generation scorer next to Kyrie and KD was a great in theory, and it has not happened in actuality. It's been kind of what I feared when they drafted him, which is just he's got two all-time great players in his way, and he's not going to be able to play through his mistakes. So, yeah, I mean, Cam has had points where he's looked good. Um, you know, there was that stretch when Kyrie was out, when KD was on the bench. He had some pretty good chemistry with Nick Claxton within the pick and roll. Thought, I felt like the passing was taking a leap. Since then, uh, he's been shoot first, second, and third. He's been a little bit similar, I guess, to Kyrie in a sense, where when he gets his touches, although it's like even much, much more pronounced than Kyrie, where he, when he gets his touches, you know a shot is going up. And that just comes down to, I think, opportunity. And he just hasn't really fit within the flow of the offense at all. Uh, Three-point shot has not come along. It's just, it's, I don't know. I, I'm i sad about it because I like Cam. I think Cam and, you know, Kessler's another guy like this. They're going to be good on their second or third teams. Cam needs a situation where there's nobody in front of him. He can play through mistakes. I'm actually not sure what team exists out there now because there's so many teams with good players. Like, even if you look at Houston, like, He's going to have Jalen Green blocking him and Kevin Porter Jr. You go to Detroit. I mean, Jesus, like Killian Hayes was buried on that team. He's now getting opportunity. He's looking really good. So, like, I don't even know what team is out there right now that's young and has literally zero talent <laughs> for for somebody like Camp. Maybe Utah, if they sell their, you know, if, if they're kind of sellers at the deadline and they continue to drop down the standings. Maybe that's a team where Cam would make some sense going to getting his touches, just getting to do what he needs to do. But yeah, it's been um, it's been pretty brutal. Orlando, maybe that's another one um, that would make sense for him. It's just not a ton of teams with opportunity for him to get to play through his learning curve. Um, I think he can be a really great player at some point. I do. I mean, you look at the shot creation. You look at his ability to draw fouls. Uh, it hasn't necessarily translated a ton just yet, but it was there in college. The The ability to make floaters is there. But overall, um, it's been, yeah, I, it's just been sort of tough to watch him defensively. He's not a great screen navigator. When he does get around screens, he's pretty good at backtracking and uh, containing guys. You know, um, that isolation defense is solid. It's not great, but it's solid. A lot of that comes down to him just having young legs. But, um, you know, I, I think that's probably the biggest positive for him defensively. Not a good team defender. Helps from the strong side a lot. Been chronicling that throughout the year. Um, which is not a good thing. Doesn't always look like he knows his rotations. That just comes with experience and playing time, which as I mentioned, he's not getting a ton of to play through. So yeah, um, at some point, I really hope he does get an opportunity, whether it's in Brooklyn or elsewhere. He's a fun player. I can see him panning out at some point. I just, it does not feel like it's happening in Brooklyn at all. 
Him and Kessler Edwards are the two guys. I still believe in them. Still believe in them. I think Kessler Edwards is going to be a real 3 and D wing at some point. I mean, dude, the guy led the league, or he was one of the leaders in three-point percentage for rookies last year. The defensive chops were there. He had some good possessions against DeMar DeRozan, who's one of the toughest covers in the entire NBA as an isolation creator. Kessler did a good job against him. Those guys are just not playing. Uh, Kessler feels like a, a total loss in confidence um, and just really lost the coaching staff's confidence. Uh, Cam has confidence, as we know, um, but just isn't able to play through his mistakes. So different situations for each of those guys. David Duke Jr., I don't know, maybe some some point, I think he can be like a ninth man. Uh, Dayron Sharp, I don't know. <laughs> I've never been a huge Dayron guy since he was drafted. Um, the passing is fun, but it's a very ancillary skill that doesn't matter a ton if he can't stay on the floor defensively. So, yeah, um, I, it's a shame. Uh, it's a shame. I don't want to say they struck out with all of their picks last year because, you know, most of them are second rounders other than Cam, who's a late first rounder, and then there's an undrafted guy. But I do feel like there's a world where they were hoping, the Nets were hoping that at least one of those guys can contribute. That has not happened. So that's pretty much it. I think that wraps up my thoughts on individual players, the defense, the offense, Vaughn. Uh, I'll, I'll end here. What do I think is going to happen with this team? think they probably lose. You know, if they make it to the conference finals, I don't think they win that. I think they're probably a second round bounce right now. I'm not looking at them as a title contender just yet. Maybe a move changes that. Um, maybe them just continuing to win helps that. Maybe cleaning up the errors on defense helps that. But they're not a team that screams, oh, this is like a team you should believe in. They're not blowing teams out. Yeah, they're beating teams that they should um, we haven't really seen them play against a ton of elite teams. When they did, they got smoked to start the year. I think we'll learn a lot from how they look against Boston, um, how they look against some of these other teams, Milwaukee, uh, you know, Phoenix, whenever they play them, we'll learn a lot from that game. Denver will learn a lot from that game. Uh, Cleveland, that's another really big matchup for them. Two quick guards that can tear up their point of attack defense. Um, and guys that can crash the boards because that team is so big. That feels like a terrible matchup for the Nets. So these are all games that I think we can learn a lot about who this team really is. But in large part, kind of feels like we're having the same season as last year. Kevin Durant's playing out of his mind. Nets are climbing the standings because of his greatness and quite simply, almost entirely because of his de- uh, his greatness. Um the defense looks good. I think it's a little fake, kind of similar to last year. Not for the same reasons as last year. Opponents were shooting well below what their expected rates were. This year, rate their shooting percentages are pretty much what you'd expect. But still, when you watch them, it doesn't scream elite defense. Um, and then just holistically, the the tendency of what I just mentioned. Beating teams you should, not quite looking like you have it against elite teams. We probably need a bigger sample for me to say that just yet, just because their schedule's been pretty soft, to be honest with you. Um, but I think that's kind of where I'm at with them. It's weird. We're ha- I'm having deja vu. I'm having deja vu. I Like, if this season ends with them losing in five to the Celtics <laughs> or something like that, wouldn't be all that surprised just because I, it feels weirdly similar to last year, minus all the COVID drama and just, like, that stuff, um, which I do not want to get into at all. Kyrie's on the floor, but 
I don't know, man. They feel uh, <laughs> they feel very similar to last year. Durant doing his thing. Second star that looks a little disinterested at certain points. It's weird. It's very weird. Roster's obviously different, more shooting now, but it's strange. They just they, I, I have the same feeling watching them as I did to start last year, where it was just, man, this is a good team. They're good. They're definitely a top four seed. I think that's probably where the Nets end up. Not sure what the top end ceiling is. And unlike last year, you don't have the mystique of Kyrie Irving returning at some point. That was the thing that, for me, like I, I looked at them as a title contender all the way throughout the year. Even though the games and the numbers didn't present that, when it was just KD and Harden out there, there was always that allure of, well, Kyrie's going to come back at some point and this team's going to be a title contender. I guess you could make that that case with Simmons out there, but even when they had Ben and Kyrie and KD out there, they're a good team. They're not like elite, elite. Maybe they just need more time together. I don't know. But when I watch them right now, one-fourth of the way through the season, we're looking at a really good team, not a great team. That's kind of where I'm at. So that's everything I got. Thank you for listening to my, I don't know what I'm going to call this, one-fourth of the way through the season rant. Maybe that's something like that. Went for a full hour. Pretty happy about that. Um, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to a whenever the hell I put up episodes on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Matt Brooks MBA. Um, Going to be cranking out a bunch of stuff kind of all through the holidays. Um, having a lot of fun writing this year, man. I'm really happy with the work I've put out. Just honestly, like really, really happy with the work I've put out. Probably the most happy I've been with my work since, I don't know, last two years. I've just, I don't know, I've just been in a real rhythm, which is good. That's what you want to feel. Um, and just having fun doing this, man. Having so much fun covering this team, watching games. It's just been really um, freeing and exciting. And it, I, I, you know, it kind of feels like this year and, I don't want to get too much into this because we're getting in pretty long, but I got that feeling again, like just like that first year of doing this first year of covering the team. Just, I don't know something about it. It's just, I'm really enjoying it. Um, enjoying just watching games back, writing, putting ideas down, uh, looking through stats. I've been pouring through stats recently. Um, and that's usually when I know I'm really, really like really 10 toes in uh, into what I'm doing is when I pour through stats like that. So uh, yeah, just been having fun. I hope the work has reflected that. Um, follow me on Twitter for threads, articles, videos. As I mentioned, hope to do one pretty soon. And yeah, that's all I got. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for rocking with me. You guys have no idea how much I appreciate all of you, um, how fun it is to create stuff for you guys, and how thankful I am for that. Um, Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you guys next time. Peace.